make us willing and able. Lord, give us faith to be strong. Lord, give us peace when we're torn. Lord, give us faith, faith to be strong. Appreciate your ministry for us this morning through song. I want to take this opportunity in our service to welcome those of you that are uh, possibly a first-time guest here at Grace Baptist Church. We want to take this opportunity to welcome you, and we are so thankful that you are here with us today. Uh, we do have a guest card. You can access it through the QR code that is printed on the small card in front of you. It looks like the one on the screen behind me, and that'll take you to a place online where you can just tell us a little bit about yourself, give us some contact information about you and your family, and then that way we can follow up with you, answer any questions that you may have about our ministry, and we would be honored to be able to get to know you a little bit better. If you have questions about some of the ministry opportunities that have been announced this morning, the jail ministry being one and others, if you have questions about how to get involved in some of those ministries, you can use the exact same card and send that through our website, and we will make sure that the proper person gets back to you and answers whatever questions that you may have regarding the ministries of which you're, in which you're interested. Um, this morning, I want to just take a moment uh, here and introduce our speaker in just a moment. But before I do that, I just want to highlight uh, briefly our missions program here at Grace Baptist Church. Foreign missions has been something that our ministry has been involved in uh, from the beginning. Uh, men like Pastor Hershenhan to my left, uh, Pastor Benson, Pastor Nolan, and myself. Missions has always been a part of our ministry here at Grace Baptist Church. Over the last few years, we've had people from our own ministry called to the field and follow the Lord into various places of the world. And uh, we're so excited about that happening. We also have others that didn't come up through our church, but we've been supporting them for a number of years. And the family with us today, who I will introduce in just a second, has been, uh, we've been supporting them for a number of years, and it's always a blessing to have them here uh, with us. I also want to just take this opportunity and remind you, at Grace, we set aside the entire month of October, and we highlight missions. And so I know that it's not even yet August, um, but... Um, uh, our missionaries today were available, and so we certainly don't limit missionaries coming only in the month of August, but we look forward to a tremendous group of folks that will be coming in the month of August and sharing their ministry and what God is doing um, in, the in, in the coming weeks. For today, we have the Espinel family with us here this morning. They have been serving in the nation of Uruguay uh, for a number of years, at least 10, minimal of 10, over 10 years there in Uruguay. They've been ministering there. Matias um, his wife, Christine, are here with their four children with us uh, this morning. And so if you do not yet know them, uh, I've got an opportunity, because they have been here a few times, to get to know them a little bit. I love all of our uh, missionaries, appreciate each and every one, uh, but I particularly always love it when Matthias is with us. Uh, just a, a sweet spirit, kind uh, man, and God is doing great things um, in their ministry. And so we're excited to hear what God is doing in Uruguay. So brother, you come and share with us today. Good morning. It is such a blessing for our family to be with all of you this morning. I hope I'm sounding okay. Is that okay? All right. I'll invite you to open your Bibles to the Psalm 95. As you go there, I'll just tell you a little bit about ourselves. Uh, my name is Matias Espinel. I don't expect anybody to remember my name or even to pronounce my name correctly. So anything that sounds like it, I'll respond to it. And, uh, but that's my name, Matias Espinel. My wife, Christine, I was born and raised in Uruguay. At the age of 20, I had the, the opportunity to come and study here in the States. Um, I came as a business major to study about Jones. I was there uh, planning to just graduate, go back to Uruguay, have a business or something. The Lord changed my heart while I was at school. 
I met this young lady that wanted to be a missionary in South America. She spoke Spanish already, and I thought, well, let's just go together. <laughs> she said yes, and we've been married since 2004, and uh, we're very excited to, for the Lord, for the ministry the Lord called us to do in Uruguay. We're mainly involved uh, in a Bible college and also in a local church, uh, serving as one of the leaders of the church. So we are very thankful for what the Lord is doing in Uruguay. We've been there since 2012. So pastor was right, a little bit over 10 years. So um, I would love to get to know some of you. So if you don't mind, just before you leave, I'll try to be out there. Just tell me your name. I'll try to remember. If not, we'll see you next time and remind me again of your name. But I would love to meet some of you. Um, if you don't mind, I put some prayer cards in the back. I don't know if people use this anymore. You remember this, right? Uh, you have them in, in your refrigerator or something like that. Just move the other ones around. Stick this one somewhere. When you see this prayer card, pray for the Espinels, okay? I appreciate that. All right, Psalm 95. We're going to read it. And then we're going to pray. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs and praise. For the Lord is great, a great God, and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the de depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his land. And today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as a Meribah, as on, as on the day of Admasa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof that they had seen my work. For 40 years, I loathed their, that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my, my rest. Let's pray. Our Father, we have a privilege to be together as a group of believers worshiping you. And it's our desire, and I pray that this will be the desire of each one here, to praise you, honor you, and worship you. But Father, during this time in which you will speak to our hearts through your word, I pray that you give each one here a heart that is open and willing to obey your word and give them each one here the humbleness, the humility to bow down before you in obedience. We pray that everything that is done here now will, be, will bring honor and glory to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why do you go to church on Sundays? Why do you come to church on Sundays? Why are you here this morning? Do you have an answer? Do you know why you're here? Let me share with you an illustration that might sound familiar to you. Maybe you said this, or maybe you heard this before. To believers, 
leave a service on a particular Sunday. They meet outside in the parking lot, and they start chatting, and one, a little bit with a little bit of frustration in his voice or her voice, says something like, wow, I did not get anything out of that sermon today. The other response, me neither. And I was not even blessed by the music either. And they continue saying, sometimes I feel like I go to church and I don't get anything from it or any benefit from it. Have you said things like that before? Have you heard other people saying things like that before? There are many points in that little conversation that I'm thinking, hmm, there are a few things I could be pointing out that that's wrong in that conversation. But one thing that I want to focus on this morning is in this aspect, that the fact that these two people, when they're talking outside in the parking lot, come to church to get something out of church. So they come to church to get something and to get a benefit from being here this hour, hour and a half, however long it takes. Their main focus is for them to be blessed, fed, and edified. And we are like, well, I like that. I like to be blessed. I like to be fed. And I like to be edified by the service and the message. But anything wrong with that mentality? Anything wrong with thinking I'm going to church to get something out of church? We all like to be blessed. I'm sure Pastor Che works hard to preach a good message every Sunday, and you're fed and blessed and edified, I'm sure. And that is part of his job, to educate and teach and encourage you and challenge you in your spiritual walk. And the wonderful music we had this morning, I'm sure the, all the people that participate are working hard to be a blessing to you. And that is right. And is a blessing. But... Are we coming to church to get something? The reality is that we should think that when we go to church, we must go to church, not to get something out of church. Instead, we might think and we might prepare our hearts to go to church to give and not to receive. And let me explain what I mean. What do you give when you go to church? You give of yourself. You give worship and praise to God. And you come, you bring your body, your soul, your mind as a living sacrifice. And you put yourself before God. And you say, God, I am here to give you the praise and honor that you deserve this morning. Do you get blessed by the service? Yes, most of the time we're very blessed. The music, the preaching, we're blessed. But we don't go to church to get something out of church. How is church going to benefit me? We don't come with that mentality, even though it happens. But we come with the mentality, how can I go to church and give God the worship and the praise and the honor that he deserves? That's what we're here for. The center of this service, the main person here is our Lord Jesus Christ. And as believers, we come before him, we bow down before him and say, you are worthy to receive all the honor and all the praise. And we are here to give you, Jesus Christ, the honor and praise that you deserve. So, since he is the center of this service, he's the main person here today among all of us. It's not none of you. <laughs> it's not me for sure. 
is Jesus Christ, and we want to honor him. So how are we going to do that? Well, this psalm, Psalm 95, will give us some aspects of this worship service that we are doing right now. And this psalm, this psalm will tell us how to do, how to participate in this worship service and what should be our heart as we come to worship him. So the first thing we want to do is that we must gather to give God the worship, the honor, the praise that he deserves instead of thinking, how is this going to benefit me? And we have, when we have that attitude, it's going to be much better for us, our time here, because we're giving it all to him. So I wanted to do this a long time ago. I need to get my water, but let me ask you, <laughs> what should be, what part, what elements should be included in a worship service? Think about that. What's, what should be part of the worship service? I teach, teach us at, uh, at a college, so I tend to be like asking questions and I expect people to answer, but I don't know if you guys are allowed to answer or not. <laughs> what should be involved? Anybody would like to say something? Praise to the Lord, and how do we give praise to the Lord? Any specific things? Singing, singing aspect. Anything else that would give praise and honor to God? Prayer. When somebody is praying here, uh, Pastor Brian, I think he pray. What I like to picture is the person praying here is to, I like to picture like he's turning around facing God, and God is in his throne, and this person is coming as a representative of all of us, and he's before God, we're behind him. He is praying to God, saying, God, we come before your presence, and we are not thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch, or I need to stop by the grocery store after that. That's not the time for that. We are all praying with the person here, he is talking, we're saying amen. We are good with him. So, yes, we praise God and worship God through prayer. Anything else? Excuse me, everybody. How about an offering? I know you guys have something back there. That's a moment that we are giving to God something that he doesn't need from us. He's, he owns everything. So he doesn't need those few dollars that you can put, but he uses that. And it's not a matter of what you put. As we sang this morning, it doesn't matter the thousands or the widow's um, might. Is that right? Uh, God doesn't care about that. It's your heart. That's what he's looking for, a heart to be willing to give. Basically, everything you have, complete dependence of God, like that widow. He, she gave everything because her dependence was on God, not in her bank account. So he wants a heart that is given. So offering. How about mess, the message time? This time, are we worshiping, praising God this way? We should. Sometimes we say, okay, we're finishing the singing. We should finish the prayer. Now it's time to pre the prayer, preaching time. All right, I just relax a little bit. Listen, hopefully the pastor has a few nice stories. And that's, that's wrong. We are, we should be worshiping, worshiping and praising God right now. And I'll tell you how we do that. So those are aspects in the worship service. This psalm, as I mentioned, will give us two aspects that we should be doing. And the first one is found in the first few verses, verse 1 to 7a. And the first thing we want to do as we come to worship him and as we come to give him worship and praise is that we must praise and worship God through your singing. This is a very important aspect of our worship service, singing to God. Let's read verse 1 and 2 together. It says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. 
The psalmist starts this psalm with a call to worship or an invitation to worship, a call to exalt God together. So when we start singing, somebody says, let us worship the Lord together. And we should be picturing that, all of us together exalting God. And this is a call to worship. And how is the, the invitation? How should we be worshiping God? Verse 1 says, O come, all of us, O come, let us sing to the Lord, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. So the invitation to sing praises to the Lord is asking us to sing as a group, everybody singing. It doesn't say only those that had a good vo- have a good voice sing, the rest just sing in your heart. Don't make a, jo- a noise. It doesn't say that. Sing with your heart and make sure how is this singing how the, how should be this singing it says with a joyful noise your singing should be full of joy your singing must reflect your joy in your heart if you're singing and your singing is a little bit depressed and you're not excited is something happening here For some reason, you're not expressing, you're not able to sing with joy. And anybody can put a smile on their face, okay? I'm not talking about that. Is your heart joyful when you sing? You know that we, I grew up in Uruguay. We live there now. And um, I don't say sadly, but there is only, basically only one sport that we play in Uruguay. Anybody knows that? I guess we tried to play basketball. We're not that great in other sports, but... The only good thing that we do in Uruguay in sports is soccer. And we do have some great soccer players. I don't know if you've seen on TV or if you've ever been in a soccer game, but usually behind the goal, they have this group of young men in general. Uh, Most of them are young people singing. And those guys are singing the whole game. And they are singing with all their heart and very loud. And they are jumping up and down the whole time. I just look at them and I get tired just watching them. But, and I'm thinking, those guys are singing to a soccer team. And these guys are kicking a ball. And these guys are like, yeah, you're my life. And I give my heart for you. And I... I'm thinking, what in the world? This is crazy. But they are showing their love for a team, and they're expressing it that way. And I know most of them are on drugs or alcohol, but they are doing it. And they are expressing this emotion for this team. And I think if they are doing that for a soccer team, what am I doing for my God when I'm singing? I look at them and I'm jealous for their passion, for their soccer team. And I look at churches sometimes and I'm like, wow, what is happening? Where is the joy? Where is the joy when we're singing to our God? Is it there? Are we really joyful? Are we really thankful? And that is expressed by the word we're singing. So what is the psalmist saying? Again, he's going to repeat verse 2. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. So he's telling us, have a thankful heart when you come to worship God together. And verse 2 at the end says, let us make a joyful noise. Again, this is joyful noise. When we are coming to worship God, God wants to hear our voices. He wants to hear you with your voice Good voice or bad voice, God wants to hear your voice singing with with joy. And why are we singing to this great God? Because verse 1 at the end, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. That's the reason we're singing, because He is the rock of our salvation. And we sing to Him in thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, and with a thankful, joyful heart. God deserves this praise, and he deserves it because he has given us the great salvation in our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our rock, 
And when we come to Christ, we are safe. And we, when we found, we build our life in this foundation, Jesus Christ, we have the joy. We have everything we need in our lives. So if you're here without Christ, you haven't repented of your sins, as we saw two believers this morning, Pastor As, are you sure you have put your faith in Jesus Christ? Yes. Are you sure when you die that you will be in heaven? Yes. Do you want to serve the Lord your God with all your heart the rest of your life? Yes. That's what we want to invite you to do. Put your faith in Christ. Put your faith in this rock, Jesus Christ, the one that died for you to pay for your sins and to make your life whole. So then you can sing to him with joy because he is the rock of your salvation. So people, come worship this great God, the great rock of our salvation. He is the one that deserves this praise. Verse 3, let's keep going. The psalmist gives us the reason for our praise. Verse 3, his, the psalmist says, For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. So God is the greatest king, the greatest God of all the gods are out there. He's the greatest God, the perfect king. We must praise him for that, for who he is for what he has done for us. Often people base their worship when they come to church. They praise their, they, they, they decide to worship or not, if they like this song or not. Oh, I don't like this song. I'm not going to sing it. Oh, I like this one. I'll sing this one. Why are we worshiping God? What is the reason why we worship him? It's not because we like this song or not. It's because of who he is. Because he is the God that deserves to be, be worshipped. If you have an exciting service today, okay, we'll sing. If it's not that exciting, I'll just listen more. God doesn't want that. He wants your heart when you're singing. He's the only God. Jeremiah 10, verse 10 says, But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. At his wrath, the earth shall tremble, and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. That shall ye say unto them, The gods have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. He has made the earth by his power. He has established the, the world by his wisdom and has stretched out the heavens by his discretion. When he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes linings with rain and bright, bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. And verse 15, 14 says, They are vanity, all these other gods, and the work of errors. In the time of their visitation, they shall perish. When you compare this God to all the other gods, he is the only one that is the creator, the greatest God, the greatest king, that people are worshiping other false gods. You compare them to this God, there is none like him. So the reason for my praise is because God is worthy, worthy to receive your praise, your worship. Verse 4 and 5 will tell us about the power of God. Verse 4 says, In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. This God that you have a chance to worship this morning, when you come to church, when you're sitting right there, you're worshiping this God who is the creator he created everything, the oceans, the, the seas, the mountains, everything he formed. God, the creator, deserves your praise, and he's so powerful that he holds his creation in his hand. He's so big and so powerful that the psalmist expresses that God holds all things in his hands. You have a chance to worship that God every single day. 
You know, in Colossians 1, when he's talking about Jesus Christ being the, the image of God, he says all things basically stay together, hold together because of his power. If Christ wouldn't hold this universe together, it would be chaos. He's the one holding the universe together. The sun where it is, the moon where it is, your life where it is right now. And everything that is happening, Christ is holding you and your life and your universe where you live. He's keeping everything working perfectly. And that's why we worship him, because he is this great creator. Verse 6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Maybe you don't do it physically. You don't bow down while we worship. You don't bow down right now while you're listening to this message. But in your heart is that attitude, the bowing down, the kneeling down before him, worshiping him. Is that your heart? That's the invitation here. Let us all together, let us worship him and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is God. He is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. So the reason why we worship, he deserves it. He's our great God. We are his people. He wants your praise. He wants your worship. So when you are here and you have an hour, an hour and a half here, make sure your mind is here. Make sure you are here with your mind and your heart. You have a chance to be outside. When you leave here, all the problems that you have in your life, they will come back, and you'll focus on them then. And you bring those before the Lord in prayer, and that's it. But while you are here, make sure you are worshiping him, and your heart is connected to the worship aspect. What is the second aspect that we have in this psalm of this worship service? We talk about singing, singing with joy, with thanksgiving, because he deserves it. He's a great God. But what is the second part of the psalm? It will tell us how we must worship God through the preaching of his word. And if you read this verse 7 and following, how do you worship God through this moment of preaching. Because it's not just the pastor worshiping because he's preaching. You also should be worshiping right now. But how? How do you do that? This psalm tells us that this should be our heart while you listen to the message. So you can be also worshiping while you listen. And this, this is what it says. Verse 7 at the end. Today... If you hear, hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I'll stop right there. Today, right now, if you hear his voice, it says here, if you hear his voice. Let me ask you this. Does God speak to you every Sunday? The answer should be yes. And that answer does not depend on you at all. Is God speaking to you every Sunday? He speaks to you every Sunday. Every time you are here listening to God's word, he is speaking to you. So the, this if, that condition, if you hear his voice... It's not, well, if God decides to speak to me today, if that message was to me, for me, that condition has nothing to do with God because God is always speaking to you. Every time the word of God is open, he is speaking to you. The if, sometimes we say, well, that was a great message, but that wasn't for me. I didn't need that. Uh, uh. Every time the word of God is open, he is listening. He is speaking to you. 
So don't say, well, God didn't speak to me. He always listens. The problem is that we sometimes decide not to listen to him. So we put that excuse, oh, he didn't speak to me today. That message wasn't for me. It's always for you because God is one speaking to you. So the, the, the way we should understand this, today, listen to his voice. Listen to him speaking to you and do what? And do not harden your heart. Basically, he says, when he's speaking to you through the message, do not harden your heart. Or other way to say is, when he speaks to you, listen to him and obey. That's when you know that you are worshiping. Because you could be here listening to this message and say, wow, that was a great message. But you know what? Pastor talked about an issue in my life that... Oh, man, I, I cannot. No, 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 no. I'm not going to go there. He touched that point, that little spot in my life that, oh, I, I, I cannot. No, 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 no. I'm not going to apologize to that person. I'm not going to ask forgiveness to that. Or I'm not going to leave that in my life. Oh, no. I love that message, but no, 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 no. I cannot do it. Sorry. You're not worshiping. You heard the message, and you're choosing not to obey, you are hardening your heart because God spoke to you and you chose not to listen and not to obey. So how do you worship? Every time God talks to you, speaks to you, you say, yes, Lord, I will. That's when we worship. Because as you sing and you bow down and kneel down before him, as he is speaking to you, you should bow down and kneel in front of him saying, yes, Lord. What you're asking me is hard to do, but I trust you, and I depend on your grace and your help to do this. Help me, Father. I need to get rid of this sin in my life. I need to change this aspect. I need your grace. And look, you know what it is? The reality is Christianity is not like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. Christianity is like, I cannot stop doing that. I will, I, I tend to go that way. I cannot do it alone. God, I need you. I need your help to f stop doing that. I need your help to have this attitude towards my spouse. I need you, God, God to do, train, my, teach my kids to live this way and be patient with my children. Because you cannot do it. All of us are parents. You know how difficult it is to be always godly and to be always 100% patient and to always have the wisdom to respond. I mean, my wife is pretty much there, but I'm like not there at all. And I'm like, oh, God, I need your help. How can I be this father that you're asking me to do? The attitude is an attitude of humility. I bow down before you, God. When you speak to me, when you open your Bible every morning, every night, every afternoon, whatever, God speaks to you. And don't be like, all right, I'm done for today. No. God spoke to you. Do not harden your heart. He's telling you something about being a better husband. Do not harden your heart. Don't be like, well, when she changes, I'll change. No, no, no. That doesn't work that way. Well, Matthias, you don't know what my wife is like. I don't need to know. Because I know what the Bible is telling you as a husband. And you do your part and pray that she will change. The same for you, wives. Oh, Matthias, you don't know my husband. You don't know my husband. Oh, that guy. Do what the Lord is asking you to do. Ask for his grace. Do not harden your heart. When he speaks to you, do not harden your heart. When you obey, that's when we worship. And we don't want to be like these people. Verse 8. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah. I might be mis mispronouncing that. I apologize. As on the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to proof, put me to the proof, 
though they had seen my work. You remember this day when the people of Israel tempted God? They wanted water. Moses was hitting the rock, and they, they just complained to God all the time. Even though they had seen his works, they still complained because they had a hardened heart. Their heart was in a heart of humbleness before God. They did not, did not kneel down before him. Don't be like them, the Bible says. Don't have a hard heart. When God speaks to you, say, yes, Lord. Verse 9. Um, verse 10, I'm sorry. When you don't obey, when you're like the people of Israel, verse 10, for 40 years I loathed the, that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. You understand when you harden your heart, when you don't obey what God is speaking to you, you become like the people of Israel, that you were, you're wandering around, wandering around in your life because you're not following his instructions. And you go astray, you go your ways, and you do not know his ways, and you choose to go on your ways. Don't harden your hearts. Follow him. Verse 11, I'll, fin I'll finish here. Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Here's a different interpretation i'll give you mine you might have a different interpretation that's okay when the lord says here in verse 11 i saw in my wrath they shall not enter my rest who is he talking about so all these people that were wandering around for 40 years in the desert what was god doing he was just waiting for all of them to die <laughs> so the rest could go in the promised land what happened to them, including those that were dying in that time, was an awesome man, an awesome guy named Moses, who was 10, 100 times better than all of us, honestly, with the, his patience and his love for these people, love for God. So some people say they did not enter into his rest or they, did not, they shall not enter my rest. Some people say, you see, that is talking to people that are not Christians. They are not entering to his rest. They are not saved. They are not believers. I'll take another approach. The approach that among those people that did not enter the promised land was Moses. And I know that Moses, pretty sure he is with the Lord. So what does it mean not enter my rest? That includes some believers that in this case, like Moses, did not enter his rest. I put that into the category of they did not experience the blessing of God, including this land. Why do I say that? Because I believe that sometimes believers, they have given their heart to God and they put their trust in Jesus. Often, sometimes, I should say, they choose not to obey. Or they look at God's word and they say, well, I'm not sure about that. And they're hardening in their heart. And what's happening when you have that attitude is that you will not enter his rest or you will not receive these blessings that God has prepared for you when you obey him. You're a believer, yes. You're a son of, and daughter of God, yes. But you're like Moses here did not obey, harden his heart, and not enter the rest, or did not receive the blessing. What do I mean with this? Every time we choose not to obey, we miss the blessings of God. Every time you harden your heart, you miss all the blessings that God has for you. Yes, I'm not saying you're not a believer. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. But at the same time, that attitude of not obeying or hardening your heart. You need to ask God to help you change that. Or if you constantly live like that, that might be a sign that you're not even a believer yet. 
So why are you here this morning? Hopefully, every time you come to church, hopefully you're picturing yourself coming before the throne of God and saying, God, I'm coming to give you, give you the worship, the praise. I want to sing the way you want to be worshipped through my singing. And when you speak to me and the word of God is open, no matter if you have a bad preacher like this case, you know, God's word is powerful enough to read it and God is still speaking to you no matter who's preaching. He is saying, look at this. I am talking to you. Do not harden your heart. You have no excuse. Do what I am asking you to do. I'm just encouraging you, okay? I share this with the people in Uruguay, in my church, and I say, when you come to church, come to give. Come prepared to give God the worship that he deserves. Don't come to church expecting to be served. Come to give. And in your giving, you're also, you give to God, but you're also giving to others and serving your fellow believers when you come to church. Let's have that attitude when we come to worship him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are such a great God that in spite of how we are as believers, very often failing you, but you are a wonderful God, a great God, and we worship and praise you for that. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for speaking to our hearts through your word. Give us humble hearts that will always say, yes, Lord, Help us to be obedient to your word. And thank, help us, Father, to be, um, when we come to worship you as a congregation, as a group of believers, help us to have the right spirit. Help us to come to give to you what you deserve and not expect to be served by others or to receive. Father, give us that attitude every day, every, every Sunday. And we pray that you help us to worship you as you deserve. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I always appreciate it when missionaries from a different culture come and speak on the topic of worship. Because so often, especially in American culture, we want to Americanize worship and believe it should be true for all people in all places and all cultures. I've had the privilege of being in multiple cultures and being in multiple different cultural situations when it comes to worship. And what I love to hear is the reminder of what worship really is. It is not remotely about your entertainment. And Pastor West and I talk about this often. It's like, if we entertained you today, we're sorry. That was not our intention. Our intention was to call you to say, here is God. Look at how great he is. Isn't he amazing? Isn't he good? And yet, in the opening illustration, after church, what do we talk about? The length of the sermon, the song you didn't like, whatever. So in closing, we're going to do what we were just challenged to do. We're going to, one, sing, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Number two, we are going to prayerfully respond to what we just heard. God does speak to you each and every day through his word. And as we studied last week, believers in our culture, in the American culture at least, the rate of people that read scripture on a daily basis is at an all-time low. And yet God does speak to us through his word. Here is God, let's worship him, let's obey him. So this morning, as we sing in closing, Wes is going to come and lead us in a song. We call it a song of response. It's not just a song to fill a couple minutes at the end of the service. It's, it's a song to stir your heart to the place that you would respond. Now, maybe that response is where you are, bowing down in your heart and praying exactly where you are. Maybe that response is bowing at these steps and praying to the Lord here or bowing by your pew or getting a brother or sister in Christ and praying together, whatever that response is, respond as the Lord is leaving, leading you. And don't leave here today unchanged. 
If you're here this morning and you're not sure about salvation, you're not exactly sure what that means, you, you can't say with confidence that you are truly, genuinely a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I ask you to prayerfully consider talking to someone before you go today. I'll be here at the front while we sing. If you want to come and speak to me, you can certainly do that. Or you can speak to someone that's on the pew beside you. They would love to talk to you. And if they can't, they'll get you to somebody who can. So Pastor West is going to come and lead us as we sing. And as we sing, I urge each and every one of us to respond as God leads. I think a great song for us to respond to this message about worship is the one that we sang earlier in our service, Hark the Voice of Jesus Calling. One of the great examples that I love of worship in Scripture is when Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up, and his response to that is to fall on his face before God and simply to say, here am I, send me. Let's stand as we sing, Hark the Voice of Jesus Calling. Hark the voice of Jesus calling, who will grow and work today. Fields are white and harvest waiting, who will bear the sheaves away. Long and loud the master calls us, rich reward he offers free. Who will answer gladly saying, Here am I, O Lord, send me. Amen. Uh, thank you for being here today. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.